welcome everyone to the score fantasy football podcast i'm your host justin boone thank you so much for listening in for downloading the show here after what was a bloodbath of a fantasy afternoon on sunday we just had one of those weeks where every 10 minutes it felt like there was a star player going down with an injury and at one point during the four o'clock window i decided to step away and take a walk i hate it when we see that many guys going down it's just awful for them and their health. It's not fun to watch. It's terrible for fantasy. So my wife and I, we live next to a conservation area. We just took a walk and it was a beautiful day. So that was great. And I know I was just delaying the inevitable because I had to come back and I was going to end up finishing watching those games and I'm going to go over all the injury information anyway. But sometimes, you know, when things are going bad, it's just best to step away from the situation to clear your head a little bit. So that's what I did. And the worst part of all these injuries is that they seem pretty serious. A bunch of them did anyway. And when teams are ruling out these guys that fast, it tends to mean those are going to be long-term issues. So as usual, we're going to run through all the notable players who got hurt on the weekend. And then we're going to take a look ahead. We'll try to figure out who we can pick up on the waiver wire heading into week eight and who can maybe help fill some of those voids on your roster if you were hit hard by injuries this week, which a lot of us were. But let's start by going over all these injuries. And the heartbreaker of all heartbreakers is first. Brees Hall suffering a torn ACL. And it's been confirmed today. I mean, normally they have a pretty good idea at the stadium when it comes to ACL tears they can do the test there and they kind of know you see news trickle out that the team fears it could be an ACL well that's what happened last night and then today the MRI confirms it so Hall is going to be out for the season and this is just brutal he was having a breakout rookie campaign on a Jets team that is coming together they're challenging for a playoff spot this year and Hall for fantasy he had double digit PPR fantasy points in every game this season, even though he started off kind of slow. Remember, he was sharing the load with Michael Carter. People were a little bit worried. I was screaming from the rooftops to go out and trade for him as a buy low guy in those first few weeks because over the last month, he just took over that backfield. He was dominating. He was a top five fantasy back during that time. Touchdowns in four straight games. Had yardage totals of 78 and 197 and 121 and even had 72 yards and a score on just four carries before he got hurt this week. So just awful to see that all get derailed for him by an ACL tear. And we wish him the best in his recovery, but we have to turn our focus now. That's what the show is all about. We got to look forward what this means for fantasy. And Michael Carter is a really quality backup, somebody who... People thought he might even be the lead back before they went out and they drafted Hall in the second round this year. But Carter had some solid performances last season, had at least 75 yards from scrimmage and or a touchdown in eight of his 14 appearances. He's good in the passing game. The team has a lot of faith in him. So I'm not sure they're going to go out and make a big trade for a running back. I saw some people suggest that last night. I think they're going to be fine rolling with Michael Carter. And then we'll see, I mean, Ty Johnson, he can step up as the number two. And Johnson isn't great, but he's definitely capable of being that change of pace guy in an offense. Or we could see them make a move for more of a lower level back, you know, signing a vet off the street, signing a Devontae Booker type, or even trading for something small, for a backup with some experience in their system, maybe a guy like Jeff Wilson or even Tevin Coleman, who they used to have on their roster. Both those guys are on the 49ers now. I mean, with CMC in San Francisco, they don't need as many backs as they have. So everybody bumps down that depth chart a little bit. You could see a guy like Wilson or Coleman become available. But for now, Michael Carter, he becomes a pretty strong RB2 for fantasy. We got some other really serious injuries at receiver, but I want to finish running backs first here. Chuba Hubbard, he left with an ankle injury. 
Adam Schefter reported that Hubbard could have come back if they needed him. So just considered in a minor sprain right now. We'll see if the swelling gets worse over the next 24 or 48 hours. But Hubbard, he should have a shot to play next week. And shout out to Hubbard and to Deonta Foreman and really the entire Panthers team for showing up after they trade away Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey, showing up and just handling the Buccaneers. They just gave it to them, got a big win there. The game wasn't even close. Tampa couldn't get anything going. An absolute stunner in that one. And Hubbard finished with 73 yards from scrimmage and a score. Foreman had some big plays. He went for 145 yards from scrimmage. They get the Falcons next week. And if Hubbard's healthy, I am just going to keep these guys in the RB3 flex range because this offense could turn back into a pumpkin at any moment. But there's definitely some upside here that we didn't expect a week ago. And then if Hubbard sidelined, Foreman would move up into that low end RB2 range. And if Hubbard's out too, You could look at Raheem Blackshear. He would be just a name to monitor, not a guy that you're going to use as a flex or anything, but he would be a guy that could be the potential change of pace back behind Foreman if Hubbard was out, but that is only if Hubbard's not practicing and if he's ruled out for the game. We also had Mike Boone hurt his ankle and x-rays were negative there, so he'll go for an MRI today to see how bad that injury is, but the fact that the Broncos immediately signed veteran Marlon Mack and Mack rushed to join the team so that he could come with them. They're going to London this week to play the Jaguars. He is with the team now that can't be a great sign for Boone so I'm guessing he's going to miss some time here and that doesn't make a huge impact on that Broncos backfield in part because their offense really isn't that effective right now and also because Melvin Gordon Latavius Murray they were already getting most of the work so Mac would only be an ad for incredibly deep leagues and this could slide a few more touches over to Gordon and to Latavius but they aren't anything more than RB3 flex plays with the state of that Denver attack at the moment now over at receiver so take a deep breath here because we got some work to do so DK Metcalf he came down awkwardly on his knee he left on the back of a cart and remember last time DK left on a cart mid-game It just turned out that he had to use the bathroom, but this time it seemed like when he was leaving, he sort of gave a nod to his teammates like he was okay, and then he quickly got ruled out with the knee injury, so that was really worrisome. Pete Carroll said today, though, that Metcalf doesn't need surgery, that it's a patellar tendon issue. He didn't give a timeline for a recovery here, but he claimed that Metcalf wants to practice on Wednesday, and he did acknowledge that that is highly unlikely that that's going to happen, but still, this does seem like good news that he avoided an ACL or anything like that. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network, he added that the plan here is just rest and rehab. So even though Metcalf is probably going to miss time, he should be back at some point this year. And while he's out, now we look at this, we try to reassess. That would put more on Tyler Lockett, who would move up into the wide receiver one territory for fantasy. It's a spot that he's been before when that offense was cooking, but volume-wise, he could get back up there now. We saw Marquise Goodwin step up this week, four grabs, 67 yards, and two touchdowns. He would be a flex option, albeit a pretty risky one, since he's been around for a while. He isn't a guy that's had real prolonged success for long stretches, and he's dealt with durability issues of his own, so keep that all in mind. D. Eskridge or Dwayne Eskridge, I think everybody's calling him D now. He's kind of interesting as a younger player who has some potential, and maybe this is the opportunity that he needs to kind of become a playmaker in that Seattle offense. Still, none of the backup receivers there are going to consistently come anywhere close to Metcalf's production. So the Seahawks, they're going to get the tight ends involved. Will Disley, Noah Fant, but those guys would still remain in the tight end two streamer conversation. So if Metcalf is out, it's not really great. 
Geno Smith, he would drop from the low-end QB1 range to more of a QB2 streamer. Let's just hope that Metcalf can get back out there soon and that he doesn't miss an extended stretch because of this injury. The next wideout who went down, Mike Williams, he had to be helped off the field by trainers and he wasn't putting any weight on that ankle and he told reporters after the game that it was an ankle sprain seems like it could be a bad one that's just me speculating here hopefully avoided breaking anything but once again we're going to wait on that MRI today to tell us where he's at and we might not find out right away because the Chargers are on bye in week eight so there's no guarantees that we're going to get an update immediately here but if Williams misses time which he likely will You'd think that Keenan Allen is going to be closer to 100% after the bye, so he'll move back into that top 15 fantasy wideout spot, and maybe even into the top 10, to be honest. If he's fully over the hamstring issues, if Mike Williams isn't out there, Keenan is going to get a ton of volume in that offense. Josh Palmer, he would be back in the flex mix, assuming that he's cleared from concussion protocol, which after the bye, I'm sure he's going to be fine. And Gerald Everett, he remains a quality tight end one for fantasy. He'll be that big bodied option for Justin Herbert. If Mike Williams isn't out there, Everett can fill some of that role. And then obviously Austin Eckler will just continue to crush it. He has been phenomenal the last few weeks here. We'll keep moving along. Amonra St. Brown. So he came back with the ankle injury. He got hurt again. And this time it was that he got placed in the concussion protocol and he couldn't re-enter the game. But then we got reports today that it wasn't actually a concussion. It was just the new protocols where if the spotter sees and is worried that you might be dealing with some sort of serious concussion symptoms, they can take you out of the game completely. And I guess that's what happened here. So assuming that everything goes according to plan and, and that he's fine and doesn't have any symptoms pop up over the next few days, you imagine that Amonra St. Brown will be back out there next week, which is great news for that offense. We also hope to see DeAndre Swift active. He practiced all last week, seemed like he was going to go, but then they played it safe and they ruled him out. So another week to heal, another week of practice. Fingers crossed that Swift will be back out there and fingers crossed that there's nothing wrong with Amonra St. Brown and that he's going to be another week uh, healthier with that ankle injury too and that he'll be back out there and fine and producing. Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. He might have tweaked his ankle, but he was able to come back into the game and play through it. I just want to mention when it's an ankle injury like this, because sometimes they do flare up after the game or even a day later, that kind of thing. So he could miss some practice time this week. Still expect to have him out there in week eight, though. Alan Lazard for the Packers. He was in and out of their game against the Commanders. And I should say not just their game, their loss to the Commanders, because another surprising result from this week, Green Bay just gets embarrassed, and it's really a terrible streak that they're on right now, but losing Lazard is not going to help anything. He hurt his shoulder in the fourth quarter. He didn't return, and the Packers, they don't have a lot of playmakers on that offense right now, so not having Lazard, that could be a death blow for their chances of competing with the Bills on the road, too, in Week 8. Buffalo coming off a bye. I mean, everything is just lining up against the Packers right now. So we'll see the timeline that we get for Lazard. Possible he could play this week. I mean, we've seen other guys like Jalen Waddle hurt their shoulder and then suit up the next week. It turns out not to be a serious issue, but practice participation, that's going to give us a little better indication of where Lazard is at. If he is out, Romeo Dobbs, Hasn't really been getting it done recently. Sammy Watkins came back this week. He wasn't that impressive. They would just be in the flex conversation for fantasy. It's a really tough matchup for them too. I mean, other than the receivers, Big Bob Tunyon, he would get a little more work, but still a very tough matchup for all of them. So I'm not optimistic for the Packers players this week. 
it is good news for them that they have a get right spot the week after against the Lions, and that could make everything a little better at that point. Corey Davis, he hurt his knee. According to Mike Garofalo, NFL Network, the initial indication point towards an MCL sprain. And Robert Sala did say that this isn't a long-term injury. And we got to be careful with that because not long-term just means that it's not season-ending most of the time. Still could see Davis miss a few weeks here. And maybe that could help open the door up here for Elijah Moore to return and take on a bigger role in the offense. He was obviously upset, right? His usage, all that sort of stuff led to the drama that we saw last week and more ultimately being held out of this game. And now he could be back this week and maybe if Davis is on the sidelines, Moore could take on a, a bigger role. And the Jets might need to lean on Garrett Wilson and Moore a good amount now with Brees Hall no longer powering the offense. What are they going to do? Can Michael Carter step right into that? Are they going to have to go to the air a little bit more? Now, whether Zach Wilson can support multiple fantasy starters at wideout, we still don't know that. And the early returns there haven't been good so far, but those are the only two pass catchers that I would consider in New York while Davis is out. And truly, I'd be benching everybody in that passing game until we see someone actually put up a decent stat line. Nico Collins, a guy that I like a lot. I've talked about him a bunch on the show recently. He was on his way to another good day, three for 33 on 46% of the snaps before he had to leave with a groin injury. So we'll wait to hear how long that's going to keep him out. He's a bit of a sneaky ad too, because there's been some trade chatter around Brandon Cooks, and I don't think the Texans are planning on moving Cooks, but it is possible. Either way, Collins just a a deep flex play when he's healthy. If Cooks were to get moved, then all of a sudden that could unlock more for him, assuming again that he is healthy. But if he's out, Cooks is going to get a bump and you're not really touching anybody else in that passing game. Russell Gage on the Buccaneers, he wasn't really doing much for them. Now he's got a hamstring issue. So maybe we see Julio Jones back soon. He did practice at least one day last week before they sat him out on Friday. But with the way Tampa's offense is looking right now, you can't trust any of the receivers outside of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Over at tight end, David Njoku, he suffered a high ankle sprain. That's expected to sideline him for two to five weeks. And third string tight end, Farrell Brown, he also got hurt in this game. He's in concussion protocol. So Harrison Bryant is the next man up here and maybe the last man that they could really trust in that tight end group. And he's a pretty good replacement, to be honest. Not going to give them what Njoku was, but Bryant will be an interesting tight end two streamer for fantasy for however long Njoku is out. Dalton Schultz, he seemed to aggravate that knee injury, the PCL sprain that he's been dealing with. He did return to the game. He sort of limped through it and tried to keep going. He very well might continue to do that, but the report I saw from Tom Pelissero was that he was fine. So you assume that that means that Schultz is going to continue to be able to play, but this is something that's clearly lingering for him. So we can't just put Schultz back into the top five or top six tight ends yet. We need him to get healthier and If he does end up being out, then Peyton Hendershot and Jake Ferguson, they become dart throw tight end streamers. Hendershot's the one I'd target if you had to pick between them, but you could probably do better than that on the waiver wire. Giants tight end, Daniel Bellinger, he had one of the weirder injuries of the day. He got poked or hooked in the eye, and it wasn't an any given Sunday situation where the eyeball landed on the field or anything like that, but he was bleeding. He was swelling up right away. He was in a lot of pain initially, so he got carted off. He got taken to the hospital. Turns out he suffered a fracture around the eye socket in the septum, according to Jordan Renan, and it might require surgery. So he's going to miss some time, and I wouldn't go hunting for fantasy value behind him on that Giants tight end depth chart. 
I don't think there's really anybody else worth considering there at the moment. We'll see if somebody can step up, but nobody that I'm really excited about. We also had one starting quarterback get hurt, Ryan Tannehill. He suffered an ankle injury. He was in a walking boot after the game, but that one's expected to be a minor ailment. Mike Vrabel came out. He said that Tannehill's good and that they're going to follow and see how the practice week goes for him. Does appear like he'll probably be ready to go next week. They do have Malik Willis, though, who... Doesn't seem like he's ready for prime time yet, but could still be fantasy viable thanks to all the rushing ability he's bringing to the table if he were to get the start. But right now, seems like Tannehill could be out there in week eight. Now for the Broncos, Russ was ruled out before this game, but Nathaniel Hackett said after the game that Russ is trending towards playing in week eight in that London contest. Now they do have a bye week in week nine. So depending how this practice week goes, maybe they decide to give Russ a little more time, give him that extra couple weeks to heal up. But it is possible, I guess, right now that he's going to suit up on Sunday. Not that it makes that much of a difference for their offense, the way they're playing right now, but Wilson would give them a, a small bump for fantasy. Now, I thought that was going to be it for the injury section this week, but then right before we came on to record, we had big news drop that Matt Ryan is dealing with a grade two shoulder sprain and that news by itself, that wouldn't be the biggest of deals, but it came with Frank Reich saying that the Colts are turning to Sam Ellinger the rest of the season. And regardless of the injury, that was going to be the case. They were going to make this switch. They had it set in their mind. So the former six rounder Ellinger, he's taken over as the Colts starting quarterback. And for as surprising as it is, I get it. Matt Ryan has looked really dusty this season more often than not, and he has been one of the least efficient quarterbacks in the league, and Reich played the position, and plus he went through this with Phillip Rivers as he was nearing the end of his career, right? He knows the quarterbacks well, and he can see that Ryan is holding this offense back, so they make the move to Ellinger, gives them a little bit of hope. Ellinger isn't a star by any means, but he might be able to help them find a little more rhythm on offense and maybe kickstart this passing attack because what you lose in awareness and pocket presence and all that stuff you get from a veteran like Matt Ryan, you might gain in a more lively arm and the fact that Ellinger can give you a little rushing ability. I remember back, I think he had like a 45-yard run in the preseason, I believe. So he can scramble a little bit where Ryan was just a statue back there, but this shouldn't change that much for all the players in that offense just based on how Ryan's been playing. This isn't a massive downgrade. It isn't a massive upgrade either, other than the fact that it might help extend some plays and give defenses something else to think about. So I just wanted to hit on that quick with my initial thoughts. We'll dive into it more as the week goes along, but that's where we're at right now with the news coming out literally right before we hit record today. Now let's shift over to the waiver wire ads. And I have to say it every week, but on the show, we just go over the top names. If you want more, if you're in a deep league where the guys I'm talking about are already rostered, you can find all that in the full waiver wire column that goes up on Monday night over at the score. So let's get into it here. Only two teams on by in week eight, the Chiefs and the Chargers. So could be at least a couple teams looking for quarterback streamers. We will start there. Daniel Jones tops the list at that position. He is 40% rostered, so might not be available in the more competitive leagues, but he gets the Seahawks this week. They're a plus matchup. And really, Jones has been juicing his fantasy production with rushing. He had 107 rushing yards and a score on the ground this week. He's also had games with 79 rushing yards, 68, 37. So even though his passing stats are fairly boring, he's normally around 200 yards, maybe throws a touchdown, maybe he doesn't. He's been getting it done with his legs. So he is the best bet if you are looking for a bye week replacement. 
We'll have to figure out who the Saints plan on starting this week before we recommend one of them, but I would lean towards it's probably going to be Andy Dalton. I mean, if they were going to pull Dalton, you think they would have pulled him at halftime of the Thursday nighter last week, right after he threw the two interceptions, the two pick sixes. That would have been the time to make the switch. Now it was a short week. Maybe that's why they didn't do it, but Dalton seems to be the favorite of the coaching staff at the moment. He's only 3% rostered in fantasy leagues. He did throw the three picks, though, so you have to figure that at least this week they need to be thinking about making a change there. And Jameis, he's 20% rostered in fantasy leagues. I would think that he gives them the higher ceiling. Plus, we might see Michael Thomas. We might see Jarvis Landry. These guys could come back at some point. So this passing attack could improve. And the matchup this week is the key thing, though. They get to face the Raiders. Vegas giving up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. So whoever starts for the Saints, they're going to be in play for fantasy. And after that, it really dries up quick. I mean, we were talking about fantasy options this week on the waiver wire. Taylor Heineke, he's going up against the Colts. Maybe Malik Willis, like we talked about. He would be a desperation option if Tannehill is out. There's other guys you could consider. None of them that exciting, but I'll throw them all in the column. I'll have them broken up into different categories so you know how to value them. Just check out the column for all of that. At running back, Michael Carter, he's the obvious ad after Hall went down. Carter only available in 34% of leagues though, so not likely out there for you to pick up, but he would be the number one guy if he were. Even his teammate, Ty Johnson, he would be worth a pickup in deep leagues like we talked about earlier. He's a guy that could step up and get some touches, maybe turn into a flex play for you, but he would be the next guy if something happens to Carter. I'd also be looking to add Isaiah Pacheco, and he's over that 50% rostered mark just barely after that news that came out this week that he was going to get the the quote-unquote start. I mean, the Chiefs' backfield has been a a bit of a nightmare because they're doing the three-way committee thing, but they clearly like Pacheco enough to give him a third of the snaps despite the fact that he's a seventh-round pick, and that role could continue to grow here, even though I did overrate that Sunday morning report that he would get the start. I mean, I moved him up into the RB3 flex mix. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I had pushed him way down. I figured Edwards-Hilaire the last few weeks hadn't really done much. And if they're announcing that they're going to make that move, then you figure, okay, Clyde is the one that's going to take more of a back seat. But in the end, it really just remained a three-way committee. And CH, he saved his day with a touchdown. So I wouldn't start any of them, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't start Pacheco right now, but I would still be stashing him if he's out there. The same goes for Khalil Herbert, who's 53% rostered. I'm curious to see how he's used Monday night now that the Bears have talked about wanting to go to the hot hand in their backfield. But regardless, Herbert needs to be rostered everywhere. We could see David Montgomery get traded. We could see Herbert just take over that role in general. So you want to make sure that he is on a roster in your league. Now, as far as guys go that actually might be available in your leagues, Gus Edwards, he would be the one to target. He's 43% rostered came back, immediately took over as a workhorse in the Ravens' backfield, and not in terms of snaps. He only played 36% of the snaps, but he had 16 carries for 66 yards, two scores. He is the favorite to lead the way now if he can stay healthy, which wasn't the case for J.K. Dobbins, sadly, but with Dobbins on IR, Edwards running well, looking fresh. Edwards is the unchallenged top dog now in Baltimore, so he is a must-add. Just remember, you need him to get home with the touchdowns. That's what happens with these Baltimore backs. Talked about it before. They really don't get used much in the passing game. So you need them to come through with the touchdowns, but seeing Edwards go out and put up two in his first game back, that is a great sight and gives you some hope that he could really continue to deliver for fantasy. Now I talked about Deonta Foreman, Chuba Hubbard earlier. Both guys need to be rostered. Hubbard played better than I expected before he suffered that ankle issue. But once again, not believed to be serious. Foreman, 
he's right up against the cutoff mark. He's 49% rostered. Hubbard down at 36% rostered. They get the Falcons this week. That is not a bad matchup. If they can run on the Bucks, they can run on the Falcons. And nobody is coming through the door to take that lead back job away from them. This isn't a situation where you have a backup stepping in. And once the starter's healthy, they're going to come back and take the role. There's nobody coming. So it's going to be Foreman. It's going to be Hubbard the rest of the season. And they're in the RB3 flex mix. Tyler Algier, Latavius Murray, they also need to be rostered. They're both weirdly 40% rostered dead on. That's why I kind of grouped them together. But the ceiling isn't incredibly high for them right now, week to week. They would need more injuries to happen for Algier. He would need CPAT to either not come back or get hurt again. For Latavius Murray, he would need Melvin Gordon to get traded or get hurt. Right now, you're just hoping that they can give you 40, 50 yards and find the end zone. And that's what they both did this week. So you were good there. Their RB3 flex plays. Make sure that Alexander Madison and Rashad White and really high upside backups like that, they need to be rostered everywhere. They're both under the 50% cutoff somehow right now. I'm guessing bye weeks and people having to drop players in order to make a little bit of room, that explains it, but those guys need to be rostered. And then a couple more long-term stashes, Kyron Williams on the Rams. There's been some reports that he could be heavily involved when he's activated off IR. And if something happens to Daryl Henderson, Williams could be a late season breakout candidate. So he's not going to take over the backfield, but he could be a strong committee member. He's got a lot of pass catching upside. So somebody that you should look to. And then James Cook on the Bills, another guy who I think you could stash if Devin Singletary gets hurt or just maybe we'll get that post bye week bump for Cook, right? We often see first year backs. They could take on more work after that week off and into the second half of their rookie years. So I would think about stashing him too. We move on to receiver and a couple guys who are just over that 50% rostered mark, but who I think should be picked up everywhere if they're available. George Pickens, Tyler Boyd. I don't need to spend much time on them. Pickens, he's been putting up decent numbers despite the fact that that Steelers offense has been struggling. And then Boyd just coming off a monster game and the Bengals passing attack. They really seem like they're starting to get rolling here. Remember last season took them a month or so before they really got going. Could see another real strong finish to the year for them in that passing attack. In terms of wide outs who are probably available in most leagues, there's actually a lot this week. Wandell Robinson, somebody who we've talked about a couple weeks in a row. He came back from injury two weeks ago, posted three for 37 and a touchdown in week six. Only played 23% of the snaps in that game though. Now that jumped to 69% of the snaps this week and he earned eight targets, turned that into six catches for 50 yards. You got Daniel Bellinger hurt now. There are no signs that Kadarius Toney or Kenny Galladay are going to be real factors. They're still hurt. So Wandell could be the leading receiver for the Giants the rest of the way. He's a must add. And I feel really similarly about Tyquan Thornton, even though I don't think people have been talking about him as much. And this one's risky because he hasn't played this week. So I'm speculating quite a bit here. We don't have as much information on him. He could go out and get hurt tonight. He could go out and absolutely blow up tonight against the Bears. I hope it's the latter. I hope he has a really great game because I'm talking about him now as a pickup. So if you're listening to this before the Monday Nighter, and we normally put this up around four o'clock Eastern, if this is up, if you hear it, Go out. I know on Yahoo, you can drop some of your bench players after they've played and you can go pick somebody else up if they haven't played yet or if they're on buy. I would go make that move right now. I would drop a guy for Thornton. Nobody too good, obviously, but if you have a player that got hurt who's on your bench or somebody that you don't think you're going to want moving forward, you drop them, you go pick up one of the guys from the Monday night game and Thornton's just 11% rostered. And when you look at how the Pats used him since he's come back here last week, 57% of the snaps 
caught four or five targets for 37 yards and a touchdown. Also three carries for 16 yards and a score. They're finding ways to get him the ball. They want to use his speed in that offense and his role could continue to grow just like we saw Wandale's grow, right? From one week to another. If he's coming through, if he's putting up good stats, he's delivering for you you're going to continue to give him more opportunities. So Taekwon's the kind of player that really could have a breakout here moving forward. So remember, Wandell, Taekwon, these guys are day two picks. Their teams really like them. They are going to find ways to use them, especially when they deliver immediately when they get on the field like they have so far. I'm also excited to talk about Paris Campbell, and we'll see what the quarterback change means for where the targets are going to go in this offense and how that impacts things. But if you've listened to the show now for a long time, you know I am still holding Paris Campbell on a bunch of dynasty teams because I know he has the talent. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Well, he's healthy now. His playing time has started going up. He's been a full-time player each of the last three weeks, playing over 90% of the Colts snaps. And the last two weeks, he has been heavily involved. 11 targets in week six, 12 targets in week seven. That's resulted in 17 catches, 127 yards, and two scores over that time. You love to see it. He is only rostered in 4% of leagues, so you go out, you get Campbell, maybe you could use him as a flex, maybe you throw him on your bench and you just wait a week to see what this offense looks like now that they've made the quarterback change. I want to see if this is the start of something for him. I really hope it is because he is an exciting young player if he gets that opportunity. Now, some of the other names you could look to on the waiver wire this week at receiver, Jamison Williams, he is only rostered in 31% of leagues. I feel like I've talked about him a bunch the last few weeks. We're going to see the first round pick come back soon. It's not going to be this week, but it's going to be soon, maybe in the next month here. And you want to get out ahead of that. So you pick up Williams. You could still stash him on your IR. There's no reason to wait to make this move. Someone else is going to pick him up if he is still out there. So he could be a really nice late season starter for you if he can come back and get healthy. And then if you're looking for streamers here, Darius Slayton on the Giants, he's been putting up decent numbers. Sammy Watkins on the Packers, he might need to step up if Alan Lazard is out. Marquise Goodwin, D. Eskridge on the Seahawks, like we talked about with DK banged up. Tons of receiver options out there, so check out the column for the full list of them. And then at tight end, Greg Dulcich, he has entered the conversation. I mean, he went two for 44 and a touchdown in his debut last week. And then on Sunday, even with the Broncos offense struggling, Dulcich draws nine targets, puts up six catches for 51 yards. He was drafted by this regime. They are doing their best to get him involved now that he is out there and he missed a ton of time. But now that he's been on the field, he has been a factor. He is a strong tight end two option with really, there is a chance that he could work himself into that low end tight end one mix if he keeps this up. So he's got to be added everywhere. Evan Ingram is really right there with him. Ingram, 41% rostered. His last three games, he hasn't found the end zone, but the production has been really solid. Six for 69, five for 40, and then four for 67 this past week. So Ingram right on that tight end one fringe for fantasy. And after that, I mean, you have Hunter Henry who plays Monday night. We'll see what happens there. You could consider him. He's got that touchdown upside. Juwan Johnson, who speaking of touchdown upside, I mean, he's been getting more opportunity with Adam Troutman sideline for the Saints. And then all the injuries that they have in the receiving core. I mean, that factors in there too. Kate Otten, who's taken advantage of Cam Brate being out right now for the Bucks. Harrison Bryant, who's the new starter in Cleveland with David Njoku's recovery expected to take two to five weeks. So there's a few different options you could look at out there. And then let's finish off with some defenses that you could consider streaming in week eight. The Colts get the commanders. They're top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. And Indy's D, 
they've shown an ability to capitalize against weaker teams. They played the Broncos, the Jags, the Titans the last three weeks. They've had quality fantasy totals in all three of those contests. So I'm projecting another one here for them. The Titans get the Texans this week. Tennessee with some really big fantasy days recently. They haven't allowed more than 17 points in each of their last three outings. At least one interception in every game during that stretch too. The Seahawks, they have been surprisingly good on both sides of the ball this year, but Seattle's defense top five in fantasy scoring on the year. They are just 3% rostered. They get the Giants this week. The Jags, they're going to London, but they're used to playing in London and they'll either get a banged up Russell Wilson or Brett Rippon. So you could consider them in deeper leagues. Even the Falcons going up against PJ Walker and the Panthers. Like I said, you never know when that Panthers offense is going to fall back down to earth. It could be this week. So the Falcons defense is on the table as an option for fantasy too. But that is all for today's show. Make sure you check out my full waiver wire column over on the score Monday night. I'll be back Tuesday with another episode. And then Wednesday, we'll get a guest in here with me. But until then, big thanks to everybody out there who's dropping ratings and reviews on their podcast apps. The latest one I saw, a five-star rating and review from fantasy underscore dungeon. Really appreciate that one. And then as always, big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time Leave on time with me tonight I said leave on time